All right, first things first, son. You're going to want to bend your legs. Stick one out slightly. Start doing the stanky leg. Let's <laughs> just get to loosen up a little. But seriously, shoulder width apart. Now, it's very important you follow through and flick the wrist. Look at the flick of the wrist. <laughs> Woo! Look at the flick of the wrist. Basketball's great cardio. If I didn't stay in such good shape, your mother would leave me quicker than Kevin Durant. Practice your dribbling move, son. A simple crossover. Yeet. Spin move. Spin cycle. You gotta do the laundry. I'm taking. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of the Kentucky Dad Podcast, brought to you by SB Nations, the Sea of Blue. I'm Big Blue Drew. Really excited to kick this one off. If you didn't hear last week with Phil Baker from ESPN 680, really good friend of mine, please check that one out. He's our second in a row new dad. So we had some new dads to kind of kick off the post-basketball um, kind of off-season deal here. We're going to try to get some more of these down. But today I'm really excited. So on the heels of the um, Kentucky High School Basketball Association's Boys Sweet 16, um, culminating over the weekend with uh, Fort Thomas Highlands winning the state championship, um, we have one of the most decorated high school athletes in the history of the state of Kentucky. Um, somebody that I know I growing up, I've, I've heard their name a lot and over the, this last week learned a lot more about as an adult. Um, but J.R. Van Hoos is joining us from Paintsville, a legend, man. Thank you so much for coming on the Dad Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. So again, um, what I wanted to kind of do, J.R., is I'm sure you, you probably, um, you know, I'm sure I've seen you do shows. You probably do podcasts and stuff because you're such a, a name that, um, you know, we link to basketball, specifically high school basketball here in the state of Kentucky. So I could go over all of your accolades and do all that stuff. But I was hoping maybe for the listeners, you would kind of just give us, um, I'll have two requests. The first one is just maybe like an elevator speech of who J.R. Van Hoos is. And then secondly, um, I would just challenge you to be as least modest as possible. Well, listen, I can't do that. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty modest guy. I know that. Wife, even though my wife says that I'm not sometimes. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I guess quick recap. Uh, 1998, Mr. Basketball. Uh, I was a Parade Magazine All-American as well and, and went on to have a really uh, a fun career at Marshall University uh, where, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people, know that I got recruited by a lot of the big schools, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. In fact, Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, and Marshall were uh, my final three choices. But, you know, chose Marshall, chose to stay close to home, and, and uh, really had a great career there. I scored uh, over 1,800 points and grabbed over 1,000 rebounds. I'm still the second all-time leading rebounder at Marshall and, and uh, been inducted to a few Hall of Fames, uh, the Marshall Hall of Fame, uh, the KHSA Hall of Fame, the Kentucky High School Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, are three of them. So, uh, you know, just uh, basketball's been uh, basketball's been great, and uh, you know, it, it's given me a lot of things in my life that I'm very thankful for. Excellent. And one of the things I learned today that I didn't know was you're one of the very few people, if not maybe one of two, and you might know the answer, that's played in four consecutive Sweet 16s in high school. I also read today that Richie Farmer had played in five. Do you know if you're just one of a handful of players that done that, or are you guys literally the only two? I think, I think, I'm, I think I'm tied for second. Uh, myself and my teammate from Paintsville, Todd Tackett, we played in four. I know there were a few guys from Inez in the 30s and early 40s that played in four. And I believe uh, some players uh, that played at Warren Central, uh, maybe 15, 
18 years ago, played in four straight as well. But, yeah, Richie, Richie's the only one to ever play in five. And, and uh, like you said, I think there's just a handful that's played in four. Amazing. Well, well, thanks for going through all that. Like I said, I mean, definitely a, a decorated person. But we'll, we'll peel the layers back a little bit more. You know how we do it on the Dad Podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about the dad stuff than the athletic stuff. Um, so we can kind of kick it off. Then we always do our TV dad. So um, normally I'll play a clip, and that guy's hilarious. I'm trying to find his name of the, of the clip that I just played. Trey Kennedy. He's really funny. So if you don't follow Trey Kennedy, he's not really a TV or movie dad. But um, he does some really funny videos where he always mixes in, like, uh, you know, kids' pop culture with his dad ways and kind of in, in an embarrassing way. So his videos are hilarious. But um, did you have, um, JR, a TV or movie dad that you kind of see yourself in or that you brought to the show? I don't see my I don't see myself as being this guy, but okay. my wife and my daughter say that I'm like Bob Saget. Okay. And listen, they're they're both they're both with me right now, and they're laughing. So if you heard any <laughs> laughter, that was from them. But uh, yeah, they say that you know I'm like him. I'm like a TV dad that cleans all the time because I do I do clean house all the time. That's a good one. We've never had um, Bob Saget as Danny Tanner on uh, from Full of House that I know of. I don't remember anyone mentioning them, so well done because we've had a lot of repeats. And I actually see myself in a lot of him now that I mention it because I'm also very tidy. The office that I'm in right now, um, we kind of just use as like a tornado room. It's uh, for the baby and stuff. It's like out of sight, out of mind. But overall, I'm, I'm a very, um, very tidy person. If stuff is like disorganized throughout the house, then it just kind of feels like it adds extra stress on me. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely me. And then uh, my wife also wanted me to add that I am very corny, like uh, Bob Saget. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's good, man. She she did it for you, so good. Maybe I should start doing that with the guests. I might start asking them to ask um, their significant other if they you know if they live with anybody in general to to rate them as a TV dad. But hey, there could be a lot worse things to be called than Danny Tanner. That's true. That's true. I, I guess I'll I'll uh, I'll take that as a win for me. All right, um, well, I want to roll down. So we have about five or six um, questions, quick questions that we ask on the Dad Podcast. Um, so I want to hit one now just because I have a feeling time. We're going to be able to talk about a lot of stuff. But um, So you mentioned to me that you were, of course, um, at a basketball game tonight, correct? Uh, no, I'm, I'll be at a volleyball game tonight. My wife uh, and I are traveling uh, to uh, a middle school volleyball game. My daughter uh, is an assistant coach at Pikeville for the uh, – uh, high school and middle school, and, and they have their – they're actually in the county championship, the Pike County Championship tonight. So oh, awesome. We're, yeah, we're on our way to, to cheer her on while she coaches over there. Excellent. I must have misread that message you sent me. Very cool. So, um, daughter's a coach as well. So, so the question for the dad podcast is, so you have a busy night then. You're traveling. Um, so, what are, what are your dinner plans tonight? Are you going to eat at the game? Y'all got to get some fast food? Like, what's the dinner plan in the household tonight? Oh, I'm sure we're definitely going to eat somewhere. And and since uh, my daughter is riding with us, it'll it'll probably be wherever she wants to go because that's usually how it works. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your family, I guess. Um, we kind of skipped over that part a little bit, just kind of go over. And um, so you're obviously a girl dad like me and many of the other guests, but just kind of uh, go over your, your family makeup a little bit. Yeah, my daughter, uh, her name's Taylor Van Hoos. Uh, she's 21. She'll be 22 the end of this month. And uh, my wife, Kayla, and I have been together for a few years as well. And so uh, I I'm definitely surrounded by girls. I uh, have a couple of uh, girl puppies as well. And so it's, uh, it's a house full of girls. So I'm definitely a girl dad. 
Hey, but back to Danny Tanner again. You know, he had a house full of girls, so it's, it's really lining up. And I got to say, before I forget, JR, too, today is my wedding anniversary. Eight years strong today with my wife. So um, she's, uh, she's doing the first leg of the chauffeuring for the older one today. She's got a, a practice kind of way across town. So she's dropping off, and then we'll tag out, and then I'll go get her. So my wife's awesome. Thank you, Heather, for a fantastic eight years letting me do stuff like this. She's awesome. So good. Sounds like uh, you have a good dinner plan and all that. Um, all right, let's uh, let's knock one more out, and then I'll, we'll talk a little bit about basketball. Um, so this is another thing that just kind of quick snapshot gives the listeners a little bit more of an idea of who you are, I guess, as a person and a dad. So would you say, Jared, in your let's just say like your weekly routine throughout the week, do you drink more soda, coffee, or alcohol? Well, I, I don't, I don't drink alcohol at all. So I, I don't, it's a, it's a toss up between coffee and soda. I mean, I, I make coffee in the morning uh, for my wife and I, when we uh, get ready to go to school and I have a huge coffee mug. And when I say huge, I could probably pour six full cups of coffee in this thing, which I do every morning <laughs> and I load it full of creamer and sugar. So I, I get really hopper with the sugar and I'm really hyper from the caffeine, but I do drink a lot of soda too, which is not good. I really need to be drinking more water, but that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a great question. I would, man, I don't know. I would probably say soda cause I just drink that one large cup of coffee and it usually gets me. I usually uh, end up drinking on it all day, but soda. Yeah. I, I put those away pretty well. What, uh, what's your go-to soda? Man, I love Coke products, man. Okay. Uh, cherry, cherry Coke's my favorite. Uh, cherry vanilla coke I like that I like that too but he, he, just coke I, I like regular coke cherry coke cherry vanilla you know that those are my three big ones right there nice so you got to add a, a new one to the tool belt then with that new um I guess that one a couple of those are pretty new or is that one like an orange vanilla thing I always see the commercial like a hundred times a day man you know that or I tried the orange vanilla it tastes like uh like a dream sickle shape uh, a popsicle uh, but, uh, yeah, man, the cherry vanilla, uh, I hadn't really seen that, uh, very often, but I mean, now about every restaurant you go into, uh, certainly through the drive through they definitely have cherry Cokes, but you'll get a, you'll get a few that have the uh, cherry vanilla. So, I, man, I just, it depends if, if I have regular Coke too much, I got to switch it up and go to cherry Coke. You know, I just, <laughs> I can't drink the same thing all the time. It just, uh, it gets a little old for me. So I try to switch it up. Interesting. It's usually the opposite. It's usually someone's like stuck on their brand and the thought of anything else is, um, you know, horrible. But that's funny because I don't I um, I drink a lot of different sodas, too, actually. But I had my first cherry Coke in a long time, actually, on Saturday. Um, I was just at a random like Easter egg hunt for the kids outside and they had a cooler and I had a cherry Coke. So good correlation. I'm like craving one now. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. I, you, I mean, but really, to be honest with you, if if there if Coke's not around, man, it's like I, I mean, I'm good with Pepsi, Dr. Pepper. The only thing I really don't drink is Mountain Dew. I just, for some reason, I used to drink a lot of that when I was, you know, in my 20s. But, man, I just got on Coke and, and the dark stuff, which I don't I don't really think that stuff's good for you. But I, yeah, I love not, it. So. I always, like, had myself convinced whether it's true or not that clear liquids are just better for you, whether it's, you know, Sprite versus Coke. Yeah, sure the, you know, true, I, I feel, yeah, I feel better. Like, sometimes if it's late at night, like, I'll go through McDonald's instead of getting a Coke, I'll get a Sprite. 
Like I, <laughs> it makes me feel better for some reason, but yeah. I don't, I don't think they're much, I don't think it's much different. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Good stuff. Well, normally Joe, we try to keep the sports chatter to a minimum, but with you, it's just impossible. So we're going to have to do some of it. And again, I was actually um, educated myself a little bit, learning um, a little bit more about you. I graduated um, from high school in 2005. So I was a little bit, um, you know, behind you. So like I said, playing basketball in the seventh region, I mean, your name kind of just rolls off the tongue, especially at that point. But again, as an adult now, I kind of learned a little bit more. So there was just a few things that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about. So um, the first one being that now you've kind of taken on this new role. And I know you, you've done a lot of coaching. I was watching some of your, your big man, like kind of workout videos. And then I know um, you were coaching at Johnson Central, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so my question is that because I, I don't know about this much. Um, I've, I've never really been in that area, but that's pretty that's a rival of your school, Paintsville, right? And I know that um, I've kind of read a few comments where you kind of just addressed it head on with, you know, some of the Paintsville people feeling like you shouldn't have went over there. Yeah, man, that's, you know, it's a it's a unique situation. Um, Johnson County. Uh, the county where I'm from, the county where I live now, only has two high schools. Uh, you know, I I went my whole life through the Paintsville Independent School System, which is the city school. I, I mean, I started there in kindergarten, first grade, you know, until I graduated. And, uh, you know, I, I actually started my teaching career there in 2004. And, uh, uh, you know, when I left uh, for a couple of years. I went to Phelps High School, which is in Pike County, where I was the head girls basketball coach for seven years. And, was looking to get back home and, and wasn't really sure, you know, what was open. And it just so happened that Johnson Central, which is the county school system, uh, had an opening for a social studies teacher. And uh, that was really the only school system that had an opening uh, that I was really interested in at the time that was close. Uh, my wife and I had actually bought a house in Paintsville before I got hired there. So you know, there, there was a time there when I was driving from Paintsville uh, to Phelps in Pike County, which is like an hour and 20 minute drive one way. And, uh, you know, when that Johnson Central job came open, I was like, man, look, I, I don't, it doesn't matter where I work, you know, I, I, I'll be professional wherever, but man, that hour and 20 minute drive one way, that, that was getting to me after a couple of weeks, you know, almost a month into it. And uh, I, I really, I, I didn't want to say no. Um, and so I got hired at Johnson Central, and, it, and it's pretty unique. You know, the two schools are about a mile apart. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I grew up my whole life in that rivalry playing against Johnson Central. And, you know, a lot of my family members uh, had gone to school uh, in the old county school system. You know, Johnson Central is a combination of uh, Flat Gap, uh, Mead Memorial, Oil Springs, and Van Leer. Four older high schools made Johnson Central in 1969. Uh, they consolidated and made that school. And so, you know, I had family members. My my grandfather went to Oil Springs. My great aunts and uncles did as well. So, I mean, I, I felt comfortable at both places. I mean, it was home. You know, I, I didn't feel that, you know, that there was a difference or anything like that. But, you know, I did I did catch some flack from a lot of Paintsville people. Uh, you know, I had a few of them call me a traitor. But, look, you know, hey, I got to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Listen, whoever, whoever's hired, whoever was hiring at that time, that's where I was going to go. You know, I was tired of that long drive and, you know, missing out on time with my wife and things like that. So, you know, it was an easy decision for me. And, and I've not regretted it. You know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been part of that basketball program uh, since 2000, uh, the fall of 2014. 
and uh you know i've been uh, to two state tournaments with johnson central we've won the region twice we've been the runner-up uh, a few different times this year we lost to paintsville in the region finals so uh, you know i mean it's uh you know it's it's home for me uh and i and i don't regret it one bit i really appreciate every comment that i read or kind of you know, every time you had a chance to speak on that, especially early on when you moved, I guess, it was always that same sentiment that, like, you were happy to be there, you know, and it, it, I guess it wasn't any different for you as, as some of the fans were kind of making it out to be. But along those same lines, and, and you alluded it to it when you kind of first gave your, your self-introduction that I forced you to do there, um, but you, you kind of fit a mold that we see, you know, I'll cover Kentucky basketball. So every summer or, you know, pretty much all year round, I'm writing about a homegrown Kentucky kid, you know, whether it's Justin Powell that's on the transfer market going to come back. We know Dante Allen's on the roster now. And then I think a lot of Kentucky kids have a, a similar decision to make like you did. It's kind of like, you know, wait around for the Kentuckys and Louisville, you know, Indiana's Louisville, whoever it is, or, you know, kind of go out and make your mark somewhere else. And um, like I said, you mentioned that you chose to go to Van um, Marshall, sorry, which was just like, I didn't realize that was just about 60 miles, I believe, from your hometown. So you had that, that home feel to it. Um, but just, I guess, talk a little bit about that because you've been in, in a situation that all Kentucky fans clamor about and say that they know what they would do, whether they want all the hometown kids or not. But just how was that process? And um, you also seem very comfortable and, and have zero regrets about the decision you made. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. I, you know, for a long time, it, I guess I did let it bother me, uh, you know, just because of the things that people would say, you know, I, I mean – uh, I felt that uh, in my high school career, and, and I, I mean, look, you know, I, national publications at, at different times. Uh, at one time, I was one of the top five freshmen in the country, uh, USA Today. Um, uh, there was another magazine that had me as the top junior in the junior class in 1997. You know, so in those national rankings – and which it really didn't matter to me, but, and, uh, you know, when he was going to start and things like that. And so, you know, I understood that. I mean, you know, I had seen John Pelfrey and those guys and what they had gone through and how the fans responded to that. And I could understand Coach Pacino's side as well. But, you know, he left to go to the Celtics and then Tubby Smith came in. And I was really excited about Coach Smith because he'd actually recruited me a little bit when he was at Georgia. And so, you know, him coming in and, and uh, you know, a different style and, and things like that, I felt, uh, you know, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, the first day they could call would be seniors uh, July 1st. You know, he was one of the first that called. Uh, and so I felt comfortable. They were going to watch me. I was getting ready. Uh, Todd Tackett and myself were getting ready to go to the uh, Adidas Top 50 or Top 100 camp in New Jersey. Uh, that Sonny Vaccaro was putting on and hmm. you know so we were going to be there with some of the nationally ranked kids top players in the country and you know they promised that they would watch me play and and things like that and I never really paid attention who was at those games I, you know I just tried to go out and do my best but I ended up making the top 25 all-star team uh, and played in the game with Mike Miller and you know all those guys out of that class and but you know the I never really heard much back from coach Smith and his and his uh, and his coaching staff uh, few times I did I just uh, got this impression and and was kind of led in the direction that they wanted to wait and evaluate me um, maybe they would have a scholarship in the spring 
Uh, and I really didn't want to wait around. Uh, I wanted to get the recruiting part over. Um, I was just and, – and it was a process, man. It was, it was an absolutely draining process. Uh, and, and I don't care to talk about that either. I mean, getting recruited at that time before social media, you know, most of the communication was by uh, landline to your house or, uh, listen, I've got, I've probably got 10 to 15 uh, big Tupperware boxes of letters, just thousands of letters from colleges. And, you know, and, and, and I'm glad my parents made me do it. You know, they, they kept those letters and they also made, made me keep a phone log of when colleges uh, mm-hmm. would call uh, when they when they could legally call and con and I, I mean I've got pages just you know Bobby Knight and John McLeod at Notre Dame and I was so fortunate to to be able to talk to those coaches but man listen when you're a 17 18 year old kid and you've got to make a you know a life altering decision of where I'm going to live where I'm going to try to play basketball it, it gets pretty overwhelming and and I wanted I wanted to sign early I wanted it over with so that I could play my senior year and not really have that stuff off the court really bothering me. Yeah, I get it. And I think the decision you have to make is, is similar to the ones that a lot of kids from Kentucky have to make is that, you know, do they want to jump on an offer at a place that they feel they know they're going to feel comfortable at or, or in many cases wait, you know, now it'd be Coach Cal or whatever to see, you know, if, if a scholarship opens or if a few guys they have on the board say no. So, you know, heck, you could get injured. There's just so many, you know, variables into that. So I, I can understand wanting to, to get it all out of the way, especially with you being so close to home. Did your parents um, kind of sway you one way or the other? Or maybe I, I'd like to know, did they have one program or one coach that they didn't like? And listen, I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people assume that because I grew up in Paintsville that it was like Kentucky or bust for me. Mm. But I actually came from a very unique situation uh, my grandparents are from Johnson County uh, on my dad's side, but my dad grew up uh, in Indiana. My grandparents moved to Indiana when my dad was like three years old. Uh, they took what's, what's called the Hillbilly Highway North in the 50s when the coal mines were shutting down and people were looking for jobs. And so my dad grew up in Indiana. My mother is from Indiana. And so it wasn't, you know, my dad played the high school basketball uh, with a guy named Monty Tao, who made the alley-oop famous at, at NC State with David Thompson. And so, you know, he played against Kyle Macy in high school. And so, and, you know, John Pelfrey, a Paintsville native who played at uh, right. uh, Kentucky, you know, he was an assistant at Florida at the time, and Florida was in my top five. Mm. So, you know, being able to try and process all of that while at the same time being thankful that, you know, it wasn't like, man, I have to go to Kentucky or I'm not going to make it. I wanted to ask you this a little bit, too, because you kind of talked about, um, you know, getting the letters and just how much different recruitments were back then to the way that they are now, especially. I mean, they're they're recruiting, you know, across the globe now. Social media is such a big portion of it. I see kids now, like, literally making their own highlights tapes and sending them to these coaches to try to get invited to camp. So with you obviously having um, all that experience in the mid to late 90s with, like, high-level high school basketball – and, you know, now having some exposure coaching and obviously still very close to the game, especially here in Kentucky. What are, I guess, some differences, I guess, that you see from basketball then to basketball now? Because I have to be honest, Jared, when I played in high school, if you had two players on your team that dunked in warm-up lines, like, you had something going there. And then nowadays, I just look at these kids, and I mean, they're all windmilling, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I mean, basketball definitely has advances. 
and I see it more as a post. You don't really see post play anymore. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is enamored by the three-point shot. Steph Curry and, and Golden State made that quite famous. It's trickled down to the college game now. All right, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna have a tough question for you now. You ready? I think so. Okay. All right. This is a tough one. I got to put you on the spot, and it, it might take you a second to think of one. But one thing I always like to ask the dads that come on the show is, "Do you remember your last good cry?" Oh my gosh, uh, my last good cry. Uh, like a good one, or like one I just like barely teared up. Uh, it's up. It's up to you. It's it's your it's your crying experience, so you can share whatever. I I'm I'm not have. I'm gonna have to ask my wife and daughter. I don't even. It's a I tough one. I don't know. I know that's, a tough one. that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. You have to give me another question. I'm gonna have to think about that one for a second. All right, no problem. Well, maybe maybe tonight though, like uh, you said, it's a big volleyball game. Maybe they'll win, and you'll you'll see your daughter coaching it. You never know. That's why I like asking that question because with dad, you just never know. And I always make fun of myself because since, especially with my daughter. Um, I'll cry at a Ford commercial. Like if it comes on and it, it can it can twist you up about a father daughter's love. Like I'll get going more so on that stuff than I guess like real life in the moment um, things like that. But we can we can table that and come back. I know that's a tough. Yeah, one. let's let's come back to that one. I think I, I think I've got a good one, but I just want to make sure. All right, here's a little easy one for you, real quick, and we'll kind of start wrapping up here too. But um, so, how have you done with COVID coping? Like, what has the family done? I know finally we're kind of you know, showing some progress and, and the end is near, but how did, you, uh, how did you and the family deal with COVID? I dealt with it fantastic because I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to be around large groups of people uh-huh. and I like to be home all the time. So I was, I was living my best life just <laughs> like away from people and at home. Now my wife and my daughter, they're social butterflies. They like to be around people and, you know, like to interact and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, they got to interact with me, so I think that was probably good enough for them, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm with you in a lot of ways. And one thing that I've learned throughout this whole process is, like, to me, the thought of going out to eat now is just such, like, a waste of time. Like, every time it's came up now, I've just been like, I just don't want to go and order a drink and wait for them to come back, and maybe they have my drink. Like, it just all seems like such a waste of time now as opposed to a year or so ago, I mean, it was a thing to do. Like we probably went out a couple times a week and that was like the mission of the night, you know, you were going out to eat. So I think that's going to change for me. Like I just don't see myself wanting to go to like Chili's and eat or anything like that. It just, um, just seems like a big waste of time. So I have a feeling a lot of people are going to find themselves doing more of um, things they didn't do before. And then vice versa, not doing a lot of things that were very much a part of their life um, in 20 before 2020. Yeah, listen, you know, like, like what, what I could tell a big difference is my wife and I, when, when the quarantine first started, we didn't go out at all, like no fast food, none of that stuff. And the first few times we went back to eat fast food, man, it just tasted different. Like, you know, we had not ate it for so long. Like, it just got to the point, it was like, man, we haven't really been missing anything. You know, this, this food doesn't taste good. You know, and it was just uh, that was kind of an eye-opening experience for us, uh, just how different fast food tasted, and just because we've been used to eating healthier food, it was uh, it was a little shocking, really. You know, we were talking about soda and and pop and stuff like that earlier. It was, uh, yeah, it was different. That was uh, that that was definitely a shock for sure. 
Yeah, I think I'll look back at a lot of that, even what I'm eating, how I'm exercising. Um, but I'll be honest, I've said this on the Dad Podcast many times. I was limping through the winter, the end of that, just with the time and it getting dark so early. And um, I have the, the baby, a two-year-old. We moved into a smaller house last year. So there was just tons of weighing on me. So I, I keep singing the praises of the time change. The weather's been fantastic. Another awesome weather day in Kentucky. And then definitely all the good news with COVID. Um, like every day, I, I think, you, you know, keep hearing a little bit better news. And I'll be fully vaccinated, effective Thursday. So just so much good, finally, um, on the horizon, as opposed to a year ago. I mean, it was just like doom and gloom for about 11 straight months. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, as, as a history teacher, you know, I, I've told people all the time that, you know, this, this is kind of like the stuff you read about, uh, you know, this, like, uh, you know, this, mm-hmm. this virus, you know, people were calling it a plague. Uh, you know, nobody really know what knew what to do with it uh, early on. And so it was like, how long is this going to last? And, you know, my wife and I, we've been vaccinated for a couple months now. And, and uh, you know, we've been going out to eat a little bit more, been able to visit with friends and family uh, a little bit more than we had been in the past year. And so we're, we're starting to get back to normal. And it, and it does feel, you know, all, the, all joking aside, it does feel good to get out and be around people again because you know i don't i don't think anybody really wants to sit in their house you know for months on end i mean i you know my wife and i we joke that i could do that forever but you know i do like being around people from time to time yeah and sports too like that's where i really miss it because i got you know the interaction probably 20 25 times a year with twenty thousand people in rough arena on the road and Man, that really hit me this year, just not not being able to experience that, and, and I love it. it every, every game, it just kind of gave me energy, and you do. You feel like you're with a lot of your friends, even if you're not talking to them. So I'm excited from a, a sports standpoint. I'm hopefully covering this, the first football game of the year, and, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure they'll be responsible. It might not be a packed house, but at least a thousand, hopefully tens of thousands of, of screaming fans. So things are improving, but um, about that cry, man, did you think of a good cry or any cry? Yeah, you know, uh, probably, you know, my daughter, we, we adopted her. And so probably when she changed her last name, that's probably been the last time I, I had a pretty good cry. And I didn't do oh, it in wow. front of anybody. That was probably, that was probably uh, off by myself. But yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's a big moment. I mean, you know, when you, when you officially become a dad and, uh, you know, somebody wants to be a part of your family. I mean, that, that's a huge moment, man. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a, a touching moment as well. And, you know, it, I, I've probably cried at basketball games, you know, you know, the last, last one I played in college, the last one I played in high school, win a championship, whatever. But I would say that, that moment, uh, you know, when she changed her last name, that's, that's probably got to be uh, one of the top moments, you know, along with getting married that, uh, that I've had in my life. I can't imagine. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos just, you know, the viral videos of that or when, you know, the child writes the adoptive parent a letter, you know, letting them know that that's what they want to do or that maybe it's a foster kid and they want to stay. So, whew, yeah, I can't even imagine. That's that's definitely a good one, especially like you mentioned, changing the last name. That's amazing. Um, changing notes, though, to a lighter topic, and we're pretty much wrapping up. We'll hit a dad joke or two and we'll finish up. But thanks for everybody for listening. J.R. Van Hoos, again, one of the most decorated players in Kentucky high school basketball history, had an amazing career at Marshall. And it's just, you know, just, just considered a very important piece to, to basketball here in the Commonwealth. Um, but this, no one probably cares about, but the two of us, but it's my podcast. So here we go. Um, I've noticed that you're into basketball trading cards a little bit. 
Oh man, you just you just made my wife roll her eyes. Yeah, I lo- <laughs> listen. I I was I was into it when I was a little kid, right? So like, you know, the late '80s. I was into Garbage Pail Kids. I don't. Do you even do you um, remember I, those? I, I, I I was a little too young for that. I kind of remember as a kid, and then now being reintroduced to the trading card world, I've seen those emerging. Hey, I bet they're not as cheap as they were in the '80s now. That's probably true. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I had a bunch of I had a bunch of those, of course. Listen, man, I I didn't know like when I was seven, eight years old, I I didn't know who Michael Jordan was. I mean, I knew who Larry Bird was a little bit, but I was I was collecting baseball cards. Now, little did I know that you know the late '80s, they almost put the card companies almost put themselves out of business because they made millions upon millions of cards and kind of you know especially baseball cards and kind of devalued you know, them. Yeah, they devalued them and those cards aren't really worth anything so that's basically what I had in my attic but you know I got a friend uh, that lives in Ashland he runs a card shop and I was in an antique store this summer with my wife and and there was a uh, a book of baseball cards from the 70s and I saw the price and it was like 20 bucks and so I messaged my buddy and and I said would you want me to buy these for you and he said if you if you'll get that for 20 I'll pay you 35 uh, for getting it. So I was thinking, well, shoot, yeah, I'll make 15 bucks off this. But, right. you know, like when I got to looking in that booklet, it was, uh, uh, it was pretty interesting to see some of the Kentucky guys, Doug Flynn and uh, Woody Fryman, uh, who's from Fleming County. And then Johnny LeMaster was in there, who's also from Paintsville. And so it just kind of, I was like, man, I wonder, and, you know, I was wondering if these cards were worth anything. And so the more I talked to my friend about it, he was like, man, it's making a huge comeback basketball cards are big Michael Jordan and so I started looking through some of my stuff I had some Jordan cards and bird cards and before I knew it I was buying stuff off eBay I was selling cards mm-hmm. and man it, it, it's addicting now I probably got I got a whole room full of cards from you know mostly basketball cards uh, I'm trying to complete sets complete okay. sets from like 1969 to 81 like the very old cards uh, but Man, I've got a couple of Wilt Chamberlain cards. I got oh, some Oscar wow. Robertson cards, and so those those are that's what I love doing. These new cards, I I don't really get into the new guys right now. First of all, because they're kind of expensive and crazy. I don't I don't know if some of these new guys are going to pan out. Like I mean, I know what Wilt Chamberlain did, and I know uh-huh. what Oscar Robertson did. So, man, some of the some of these cards, uh, these new guys like Zion and. Steph Curry cards and even these new rookies, uh, Lamelo and all that. Man, it's crazy what what the what they're selling for and and uh, uh, all that. It's just I, I never thought I'd see the day when cards would be like that. But you know, I think the companies kind of got their act together and they're not making as many and there's certain you know numbered cards and man, they're doing all kinds of stuff with these things now i mean autograph cards and jersey cards and memorabilia cards it's 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 unbelievable it's number one thing about card collecting and why us adults get into it is because everybody wants what they can't have so as soon as you get reintroduced to the hobby and you're like wait you know baseball and basketball cards you could just walk in anywhere and buy those when i was a kid let's do it and you quickly learn that um that is not the way that it works anymore <laughs> And this will may, maybe make your wife feel a little bit better about your um, involvement in the hobby is I could not be doing this any worse. Like my entry level into this. So I kind of was like, man, I'm going to start looking into cards basically right around the NBA finals. So whose card was the hottest Tyler Hero? 
I want oh, all man. the Tyler Heroes. So I'm buying these cards. And now I've quickly learned about six months removed from that that I could not have been buying these at any more of a premium. And I hope he has a great career, but there's a very real chance that his cards are never going to get as high as they were then. And I'm just taking my lumps everywhere, learning how to kind of <laughs> buy himself. But um, along the lines of what you said about kind of buying proven players, I transitioned that way a little bit. Actually, just this weekend, I bought my first ever Kobe Bryant rookie card. I'm very excited. Nice. Now, see, now see I've, I've had a couple Kobe's, and I still have a couple Kobe's. And so, like what I've done, so I really want to complete these sets of old cards that I have. And then other than that, like I've kept certain players, so like, I have the ones that I'm really keeping uh, outside of sets would be players that played on the dream team in 92. Cause I got, I got to say, that's probably the greatest team that I've ever seen play basketball. So like I've got a bunch of Jordan cards, Larry Bird, magic, and then throw in some later players like Shaq, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Steph Curry, Kobe, LeBron. And that's about it as far as the players that I collect. I was just going to say that that listening to you say that I got some great advice early on in the hobby, which is there's no right way to collect. So I know like that Kobe Bryant rookie card that I got, it's a Fleer metal series, which I never remembered that existed in my brain. But when I got back into cars and I saw that I can remember in Speedway, I'm probably like eight or 10 with my mom and she would buy me packs of those every now and then. And so it's like, it's just cool. It's different for everybody. Um, again, I'm sure most people don't care, but uh, we definitely don't have enough time to get into the NBA Top Shot stuff, which I do own a few moments on NBA Top Shot. So if you're not familiar with that and NFTs in general, we will have to link up because um, that that's the future for sure. Man, you know what? People, I've seen people trading for those NFTs and stuff, and I can't, I cannot believe that it is like that because you know I like, I like the cards. I like something that I can hold and read and maybe put up, but. Like these digital videos and things, man, that, uh, that's some next level stuff that I have no interest in because I would seriously get burnt if I started buying stuff like that. I know I would. Yeah, I've took some L's on those as well, but that I'll, I'll give myself a little pass on because it's, it's all brand new. It's in beta, but I just keep looking at it from this standpoint. At some point, somebody in that, whenever cards, even, you know, probably 70s, 80s, when people were really into cards, they were probably like, that's the dumbest thing ever, a piece of cardboard with a picture. And then over time, it just became something that we like. But you're right. It, it is difficult for me when it's something you can't touch. And um, that, to me, is what worries me a little bit about Top Shot. Um, I just don't see a real um, spot for collectors. It's almost like the stock market. Like, people want them to make money. But like you, you know, it would be hard for you to physically mail that Wilt Chamberlain card to somebody and give up ownership. But anyway, yeah, yeah. We, we digress on that. So we'll, we'll link up. I, I might talk you into buying a Top Shot. Or if nothing else, you got to get registered so you can enter the drawing for the, the packs because it's kind of like winning the lottery. Like they'll sell you a pack for 10 bucks and, you know, you'll get moments in there that are worth a ton more. That's cool, man. That's, that's, that's pretty neat. But I got to say, man, there's nothing like opening a pack of cards. Oh, because it, it keeps you in suspense because you're like, oh, man, there could, be a, there could be a lot of money cards in here. And then when you open it, of course, it never happens, but it's still fun. It's so electric, and I'll end up the car talk by saying that I'm very lucky, and I'm not giving up all the details. Don't ask me, but my wife has a little bit of an in at Target um, across the street from her. She knows some people. I shouldn't say know some people. She just knows the process. So about about six or seven weeks in a row, I've at least gotten some retail. 
And um, what I've been doing is just opening or, or just selling enough of it um, sealed so I can open some packs for free. And you're right, it's a blast. It's basically just like playing the lottery. It's a blast. Yeah, that, I, you're lucky because I've not been able to go in any of our local stores and, well, and get yeah. packs of cards. I, I have to go into actual card stores, sure. which, you know, I know I'm paying a little bit more. So is your friend, is that Kentucky cards? Do what now? Is your friend, does he go by Kentucky cards on Twitter? Is that him? No, he uh, – he. Uh, it's called Bluegrass Sports Cards and Memorabilia okay. in Ashland. All right, well, we can wrap up. My kid's almost home. Um, I'll do a dad joke first. I, um, I, I'm not going to lie, Jar. I've been, I'm, I was about, like, it's probably our 20th dad pot or so. I had about 17 just terrible ones. But I think I've, I've knocked the last few out of the park. And this one, it's not very good, but here we go. Uh, a, man, a man walks into a hardware store and picks up a can of fly spray. He asked the worker, is this good for wasps? And they respond, heck no, it kills them. <laughs> I, no, I thought it was – I laughed. Okay, good, yeah. I think – but Danny Tanner, though, I mean, you're you're the dad joke audience. I mean, it, it's more like just a joke to you. Well, listen, I got this one because it's a history joke, kind of. It's kind of a history joke slash dad joke, but I like it. All right, are you ready? All right, I'm ready. If April showers bring May flowers – what do Mayflowers bring? The Pilgrims. <laughs> I was like, it took me a second. I'm done. All right. The Pilgrims, yep. See, the Mayflower and the that's Pilgrims. Good. Daughter, maybe you know this from history, too. I know you're a big history buff. I am, too. Uh, my daughter just brought up the Mayflower. She must have talked about it in her virtual school or something where, like, you can trace back. Like, I forget what the percentage of Americans was to the Mayflower, but it was a startling number. Yeah. I, you know, I've I, not kept up with that, but I do know it is a large number of people that can trace their genealogy to mm -hmm. uh, people who were on the Mayflower, which is actually really awesome. I, I do genealogy as well, and uh, I actually joined a group a few years ago. Uh, it's called the Jamestown Society, and I had to submit a couple hundred pages of paperwork and proof wow. to document that I was a descendant of one of the first settlers at Jamestown in Virginia. Wow. So. Yeah, it, that that was that was pretty neat uh, getting to do that and learning about you know what happened at Jamestown and my ancestor uh, who played a, a kind of a prominent role there. Um, so that that wow. was that was great being a history buff and a history teacher. That that was pretty awesome getting to do I that. Bet, as yeah, well. I'm really interested in genealogy. I know my brother's done some. I want to do some as well. You know, we just watched not too long ago, like the the making of America or whatever that show was. Just such a great show. And um, I know obviously it kind of kind of starts there so man that's awesome we'll have to catch up more on that but yeah uh, listen man if you need help with genealogy i like to do that too i think it's i think it's really important to know where you came from and and you know sometimes you find ancestors that you're like man i i don't know if i want to tell people i'm related to this person or descended mm -hmm. from this person but listen that's all part of the story man it, it it's what makes you unique and and uh you know when when you can trace your family and kind of know the struggle and where they came from and all that, that makes it a little bit uh, more meaningful when you start to study history. Yeah, I really agree. And I think Kentucky is specifically taking that a step further. Are, um, you know, they're so proud of where they come from and their state and the history of it that, again, I'm going to do some genealogy. So I will, might, might hit you up on that. But, JR, thanks so much again. I know you got a big night um, heading to the game and all that. But 
I really enjoyed it. These always give me energy. I think they're fun to kind of get out of the, the sports show. And, and I know you're, you know, you're widely considered not only an awesome athlete, but a very, um, you know, wholesome, great advocate for, for many things in the state. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Oh man, no problem. I had a blast. I'll have to, I'll have to try to come back on again or we'll, we'll have to do another podcast about something else. A hundred percent. We do the sports one catch by 90, which I'm taking a little, little bit of a break. Um, Aaron Gershon, our co-host has a big boy job and, so the off season, we'll do some more of these, and I'd love that. And I'm also, at some point, I'm going to get my daughter on a basketball court with you. She's about a 5'10", um, 7th grader. So we got to get some post moves going for her. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely do some post work right there. That, that, that's a definite. Sweet. All right, well, thanks. Appreciate everybody listening. Check us out on Twitter, at Kentucky Dad Pod, and we will check everyone next time.